Ford versus Ferrari. You know, I have never been a big car person. Uh huh. But I have to say, after watching this movie, <laughs> cars are pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 they did a good job at making you yeah, it was, feel it was the vroom cool. vroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the moral of the story: the podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. I appreciated the feel of the film I did so too. much. Yeah. It had such a, I mean, literary almost sounds like a cheap word, but that's the word that comes to mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know it just mean, has yeah. a kind of like dramatic storytelling. Yeah, classic. Right. I feel yeah. like class. There aren't the very many class, movies. Yeah. Yeah. There aren't very many films like that. Well, it's honestly, like it's any, a kind I of feel genre. like they're not made very much yeah. anymore. Yeah. As far as most of the films that are made, as far as right. a historical story told in a classic style, yeah, with not a lot of whiz bang, with great lead characters. Yeah, man, the yeah. cast was super good. Yeah. yeah. Well, it reminded me of Moneyball, which yeah. is that, one of the yeah, movies I've watched yeah. a lot actually over the years. Because honestly, this genre, what kind of what you're talking about, Alex the the real world, real story drama about people who are not falling in love or fighting somebody or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're dealing with just how to succeed, how to, yeah. what is life about? You know, how do I relate to my children and my wife and my my work? And um, mm-hmm. and you just don't find those, those stories near as much. And I think probably the reason is because you need a great story. It is about the story. Yeah. And you can't just dream up another villain or another... Yeah. You need the story to exist already, um, but it was a True. it was a really well done movie. Um, morally, I, I thought the movie actually posed some interesting questions. Mm-hmm. One was, how far can a dad go in a risky line of work? Mm. Um, which yeah. Christian Bale, you know, plays the driver, right? Um, and for those of you who don't know the plot of Ford versus Ferrari, it's based on a real event that happened back in was it the sixties? Or 70s. I, think, I don't think it was the 70s. I, th- I think it was. I think it was the 60s, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the 60s. But um, there was this uh, rivalry between Ferrari and Ford, which at that time Ford was run by, I guess, Henry Ford's son or grandson? Grandson, I think. His that was his son. That was his son. Was it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's Who, Junior. Okay. Yeah. And his son was, I guess, notoriously a just... A jerk, <laughs> just a yeah. really abrasive, hard to work person. With. And the guy who plays him in the movie does oh, yeah. a great job. The, that scene, the, the casting, where Matt so Damon good. takes him in the race car, and I, yeah. I know that I think that was fictionalized, yeah. but it was so well done. Yeah, such good acting on his part. But anyway, he was he was a a meanie, and he tried to buy Ferrari. Yeah, and Ferrari was this. The opposite of Ford in every way. They, right. they customized their cars, and it was everyone was a work of art. I think the line was, "We make more cars in a day that Ferrari makes in a year." Yeah, you know exactly. Right, right. And Ford wanted to buy Ferrari basically because there's that age-old rivalry between the auteur, the artist, yeah. and the system yeah. that produces money. Right. And when money goes to art and tries to buy art, you know, the artist oftentimes gives people, you know, yep the middle finger so to speak and um and Which Ferrari, I've heard what he said was pretty accurate to what he actually it was when I was watching the movie what Ferrari says to Ford when he rejects the offer uh-huh. that they're gonna buy him 
it's which Shocking. we won't repeat on this. Yeah, you can't. Oh, you can't repeat. You know it. what is a, so fortunate? But it was real. I was checking on the date for uh-huh. us. To, it's 1966. Okay, mm. is the year of the race. But guess who was previously cast? Oh, um, I don't know. In the oh. film, as who? Through. Both both characters. Oh man, they were not the original casting. Uh huh. So who? guess who it was? I have no idea. You guys want to take bets? No, I, I don't know. Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Oh no! <laughs> oh, that's so that would have been painful. Uh. Oh man! And I, I kind of like who would have been who? Well, I think Brad Pitt would have had to have been the Matt Damon character. Yeah, right? with I the, think so. With the blonde hair. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, and Tom Cruise would Tom have been Cruise would the have race been Tom Cruise yeah, playing a British race driver. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I, no way. I am such a big Christian Bale. I just imagine fan Tom Cruise. Oh, I, you know, I'm yeah. a, sorry, guys, this is a visualization. I'm imagining Tom Cruise with his Mission Impossible face on like, <laughs> behind yeah. the car. Yeah. And his run. Have you seen his run? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, well, That's and fun. Matt Damon and Christian Bale did such a great job in the movie. Yeah. I, I, I just said it, but Christian Bale in anything is. I don't, I don't know that I've seen anything in, with him in it. That I have liked or that I have disliked. Maybe yeah. the Moses movie, but still, he was the best part of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the few actors to me that has both star power and acting yeah. prowess. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, other people are just stars or just actors. Right. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, back this to that great. That there's this great race over in France that is yeah. yeah like the pinnacle of racing. So and a 24 so, hour race. Yeah, it's yeah. a 24 hour race and. Um, basically only Europeans ever won it yeah. for a long, long time. And Ferrari was the dominant one. And so Ford, when he was personally and very viscerally insulted by Ferrari. Well, Carroll Shelby had won, right? And did he actually win yes. in real life? No, he didn't win. I think he blacked out. No, 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 no. He won. No, he won. Well, he won I'm pretty sure in the movie yeah. they said that he they won. They did. Now, I don't know if that was real or not. I don't know if that was a you know, something for the movie that they did. But in the movie, he did one. Because when uh, Iacocca came and basically offered the, the offered him the job, he said, you're one of the few Americans who have ever won it. Right. So And so Ford decides that they're going to invest as much money as they have, which is considerable, <laughs> into yeah, a, a developing a race car that will be Ferrari. Yeah. And famously, they invented, what's the name of the car, Luke? The I GT40, you, I think. Yeah, which is one of the most... Yeah, beautiful. And again, I don't, I'm not a car okay. person, but even yeah. I had heard of that song. Okay, Shelby or won Lamar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shelby won in '59. Wow. Okay, okay. So that would have been man. So Ford goes to Matt Damon, who plays Shelby, and they say, "Help us develop a car that will win this race and shame Ferrari." And uh, basically, the movie revolves around I think mostly Christian Bale's character, yeah. some Matt Damon's character, Miles, but mostly yeah. Christian Bale's character because Christian Bale's character is um, this British driver who is um, pretty much immediately established as being a really great family man who is obsessed with cars and is a true lover of excellence in his profession. And you meet him at a race that's just like a local community kind of circuit race. Yeah. A regional race in California where he's just racing a car he's built and, and customized. So they very much set him up. Uh, he's a race car driver, whether there's money in it or not. Right. He yeah. just does it. He does it, it he for does love it. of it. Yeah. yeah. And at the front, there's a moment where I think the whole movie is kind of enshrined in the moment where the guy with the clipboard, who's the rule keeper, mm-hmm. he yeah. comes up to Christian Bale and he says, you know, your car trunk 
I guess it won't shut. It wouldn't or shut. Like, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't shut. And he says, therefore, you're. you're no, right. it's not big enough. It doesn't it's, meet it's this cubic footage. It doesn't meet the cubic footage. And so yeah. he he exnays him from the race. And Christian Bale takes a hammer <laughs> and he literally hammers the trunk yeah, into the, the shape yeah. <laughs> that the guy requires. Um, and that kind of embodies the whole moral dilemma of the film, which is how far. Does well, he also artist... throws a fit and throws a wrench at his head, and yeah, and right. They has set a him major up as, temper. as being yeah, a little has, bit yeah. of a temper, as having a little bit of a temper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But how far does the artist, like a Christian Bale or a Matt Damon, who's doing it for love of it, not just to make money, kind of quote sell out to the money men of a Ford? Yeah. Actually, I was amazed that Ford let this movie be made. Because Ford looks it doesn't really, so it, it really doesn't paint them in a good light. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't. It's like a very damning film about yeah. Ford as a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they could have stopped a film like this being made. I mean, well, they, that's they what would, they would probably they have, have to. Pre- and actually, and we were talking. I was talking to someone I'm about sure this. You can buy those privately. Yeah, but. I don't know what the branding of Ford was in that time period, but I remember watching the movie mm-hmm. and thinking to myself, the Ford logo looks different. So I have no idea, but it just occurred to me, I wonder if they changed it slightly so they wouldn't have to get any sort of permission. I have no idea. Yeah, they probably would have, they might have to get permission from the company. Although I think when you're portraying history, uh, there's some... There may be some rules. I don't know. There's probably some... I have no idea. And I thought that maybe... There were teams of lawyers working on (laughs) just that question. Right. Well, and you know, we had talked about too, the relationship between um, who was the... Carol and... uh, Oh, uh, Josh Lucas's character. Yeah, what was yeah. his name? Le- I can't Lebo remember. Or? Bebo. Yeah. Bebo. Bebo, yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, you know, they painted that relationship between him and Ken Miles to be very personal, which, you know, I doubt very highly that's how it actually was. I actually looked that up because I was interested, yeah. and that was basically fictionalized. Yeah. I don't, there was yeah. no real rivalry between them. Now, but Bebo as as- did make the request at the final race. But I'm sure it was strictly business. Like he yes. didn't have, they, they definitely added the, the personal element between him and Ken. Although um, if you were driving and you had won the biggest race in the world yeah. and they asked you to tie with the people that were behind you, yeah, that no, would but, still but in the be film, like personally. In the film, they very much made it sound like he asked him to do that because he didn't like Ken. Yeah. It wasn't about the photo. It wasn't about right, the photo. Yeah, He's like, yeah. I don't like him and I don't want him to win. So I'm going to devise this right. plan. This is a really interesting thing. This question though, of like an event. So yeah. like the event happened, the guy asked him to not win and to mm-hmm. go over it the same thing. And he literally did not win. Yeah. And he was not awarded the gold medal because right. of the way that ended. Right. right. And right. in fact, it was, it was it, the guy who quote won technically was like the second runner. None other than yeah. McLaren. Really? Yes. Like the McLaren. The McLaren. Oh, wow. Who made, went on to make a fortune yeah. in racing. I didn't know that. Race really? cars. Yeah. I, I don't know McLaren, yeah. so. so That's another highs. house name. Yeah. It's another house name as far as cars go. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so Man, when you I look at that. that and you. That's say, really interesting. And Ken Miles died that same year. Yeah. In 66. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's, that's a very interesting question. Well, uh, and you think back tidbit, at the 60s, but... like when this happened, the idea of being a company man, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, big companies like Ford, they owned you, lock, stock, yeah, and barrel. Right. And yeah. that's well, one that of the was really that's... the goal. Like, yeah. it was best case scenario for you to graduate college, get a comfy, you know, industry job, and literally yeah. work for 50 years and then retire. Right. Right. Like, yeah. that's that was like 
that was it. And you loyalty had, above all. Right. Um, but and in some ways, that's actually much better than what we have today, although it's less fluid. I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. well, yeah, there was an article. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, there was an article recently about company culture, and it was a it was a um, comparative piece of a lady who spent her life employed for the Eastman Kodak Company mm-hmm. as their janitor. She was a janitor for Eastman Kodak, versus a lady who is a janitor at Apple mm. today. Huh. Okay, so the lady at Kodak had a corp, you know, company job. She was employed by Kodak. All the benefits of a Kodak employee. Um, she started off as a you know low level, yeah. you know cleaning the bathrooms janitor, and she worked her way up through the janitorial and cleaning department till she was basically an executive of janitorial, hmm. and she had a office job overseeing other janitorial workers with, I mean, in the C suite basically. Yeah, and the lady at Apple is a hired third party outsourced employee an immigrant who basically is paid minimum wage by a third party person and has been at apple doing that for i forget i don't know how many years i forget yeah but with basically she's going to work for that third party company until she finally figures out some other job to go get that is better or right just stays exactly where she is her whole life yeah yeah i will say there's no loyalty yeah it's i mean it's it's it's, it's, always about finding the best price Right. Well, yeah, but but there's a whole different the the mindset of companies mm-hmm. back then yeah. was very different than right. today's, which is very just Wall Street right. dominant business, not relational. There's not like Kodak had a feeling like I am starting a yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like when you go to Hershey, Pennsylvania, yeah, and like Hershey, yeah, built the houses for the workers and yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very. Now, obviously, there are downsides to all those things, but it's just the mindset. It's a different, very different. Yeah, different, different uh, paradigm. Well, and, and to me, though, wrestling with that dynamic is what the movie is actually about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the way Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, and Shelby Carroll are portrayed is they they do what they do because they love it. Carol Shelby. Oh, Carol Shelby. Yeah. 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 Um, they do what they do because they love it. Mm-hmm. And when they're working on the car, mm-hmm. you know, again and again and again, Ford intervenes in the movie to basically take control out of their hands, to depersonalize yeah. everything, to put it into a committee, mm-hmm. to you know the path of least resistance, don't ruffle any feathers. Actually, a kind of a culture that you see even more nowadays in like universities, or yeah. mm-hmm. you know, where where the culture is notoriously corrupt mm-hmm. because of how many horrible people have entered it and right. <laughs> poisoned it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea, well, even the film industry, I think, yeah, you know, nobody ha- really has true creative control anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all about whoever is writing the checks, and they say, you know, this doesn't really fit our formula about what we know is going to make. Our money back, so right, and we idolize we idolize the people who didn't don't do that, which is George Lucas, by the way. <laughs> Everything comes back. <laughs> to Star Wars. <laughs> He's does, a pioneer. How does, how does Ford versus Ferrari speak to the Star Wars universe? Hey, oh, it has nothing to do with Star Wars. It has everything. No, Lucas. To do with him. No, you're right. Yeah. but I, I was thinking of Steve Jobs. Yeah, uh, it was who I was too. thinking yeah, of. Yeah. Lucas is is that because he did. He totally. Yeah. I mean, people don't know the the film history. Right. Yeah. Lucas upended the entire Hollywood system because yeah. of how he made 
his films and right. he he owned all of the Star Wars merchandising rights, which is why he became so wealthy. Right. Um, but you have like Steve Jobs today. It's Elon yeah. Musk. Right. Right. People that are kind of the yeah. anti corporate right uh, titan become celebrated because they are not oh I don't know, Bob Iger. Yeah. Basically, you know, if you look at Bob Iger and Disney right. under him, right? You know, he's been looking for ways. Luke gave me his biography for Christmas, and um, <laughs> I read it and I enjoyed it. Read it in one weekend, and but I was reading it thinking like he was responsible for figuring out ways of pushing the boundaries on sex on TV in the late nineties, early two thousands hmm. with NYPD Blue. Yeah, and yeah. they literally had meetings just with the like. Uh, best practices department about what angles they could show of this yeah. and that and how what words they could use but what they couldn't use like just trying to get as much adult content on TV as possible yeah yeah um, and now he's at Disney which is sort of the opposite right but in reality it's not it's just vanillaizing everything with no single vision maker. Yeah. Which is what right. Lucas was. It's He's a, a process. It's a process person. created right. not creativity. Anything. Yeah. And that the the lesson of Ford versus Ferrari, this is probably my moral of the story of the of, of that story, is that great things are only achieved by people who are ultimately passionate, visionary, and devoted yeah. to something. Like single heartedly. Right. You know, whereas it's not the corporatist protective, you know, ins- you know they're always insurance-minded. It's like we've got right. to do something that doesn't mess up what we've got right? rather mm-hmm. than risking everything right. to do something great. Which right. is so interesting because – and they even – you know, Ferrari said this, you're, you're not your father. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that's what the, you know, original Henry mm-hmm. Ford did. Right. And, you know, he completely changed the world. Yeah. In that type of mindset. Right. And then his son is, like you just said, in insurance mode. And yeah. Ferrari says Protecting it himself, the which legacy. was the, that, yeah. if you remember, that was the biggest insult. Oh, yes. Like he yes, said yes. all that yeah. stuff, other stuff that was, <laughs> you're you know, fat, very crude. Yeah, all that. Yeah, and yeah. like he was like, yeah, whatever. And then he said, you're not your father or yeah. you're no Henry Ford. Maybe right, that's what right. he said. You're only the Henry Ford the second. Yeah, the second. Yeah. And then it yeah. was like, Okay. Yeah. Game on. Yeah, Game yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what completely shifted it to, uh, you know, because right. he basically, he was right. He was like, you are, you're just protecting what you've got and the not innovating anymore. The funny thing, like the moment in the movie where Matt Damon, you know, they're about to take the racing program away and he comes in to make his argument for why they should stay in it. Yeah. And he says like, that paper went through 15 hands, making its way to you, you know, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then he says, but make no mistake, one man rules this company and gives his... Ford gives his comeback about how yeah. I'm really in charge and I'm the man, which is really manifestly not true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah. they never really dealt with the fact that that wasn't true. Right. Yeah. It's kind of subtly, it's a subtext. Uh huh. But that he was actually, that was his own delusion. Yeah. Whereas like Ferrari literally was, I mean, they show him in various places, but. He's like out on the floor where his guys are hand making the cars. Right. Yeah. You know. Right. And definitely the way they portray him is he's and the fact that he salutes Ken Miles at the yeah. end. You know, he's there's a they're, symmetry. They're, they're the same. Right. Yeah. There's a symmetry. Even though he's running a business. Between right. the two of them. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, they make it out that Ferrari is like going bankrupt and yeah. all of this because of his pursuit of p- perfection. Right. You know, um, which I don't, I, I didn't look at, and I had no idea that Fiat bought Ferrari. Is that still the case? Well, now Fiat, Fiat bought Ford, didn't they? Or did Ford buy Fiat? I don't know. Um, that would be ironic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, yeah. That's why That's why now all the Fiat, those little Fiat cars oh. are in the U.S. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah. You know, the other, the other- yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, the other moral dilemma in the movie to me that is interesting um, was just the fact that Ken Miles died, right? He was running, he was doing these very intense races. Right. And people have died in racing, right? Yeah. Like, it's not an unheard of thing. It's a very dangerous sport. And um, and in this particular movie, they kind of foreshadow that, you yeah. know, a few times. It's very misleading, though. Yeah. They, they very much play it up to lead you to believe that he burned alive in his car because he couldn't get out, which mm-hmm. is not at all what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, still a tragedy. He died. But the idea of him burning alive in his car and not being able to get out is way worse than how he actually died. So yeah, how did, I haven't looked. It he up. was how did well. He it, the scene is correct, but he mm-hmm. was thrown from his car and died on impact. Oh, really? So yeah, yeah. his seatbelt basically gave way, and he was thrown from the car. Yeah. yeah, but with the door and the whole they, oh, they had set it up. They totally, it was set a beautifully it up. And then, orchestrated and like, scene. Yeah, <laughs> and when that happened, I was like, oh my goodness, did he burn to death in his car? And I yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. looked it up. Yeah, was like yeah. that is so tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And obviously, it's still tragic. He died, but I he mean, he didn't. It was very quick. Him. Yeah, um, but you got to say as a storytelling tool. Oh, it was great. that was exquisitely it was, oh, yes. laid it yeah. was between so, yeah. the incident first on the track. Yep. Then the challenge with the race and how it tied into the strategy for yeah. winning the race and changing out the brakes. Well, and then and then his door wasn't closing. The door wouldn't close, and, and they, they had to and they slam hit it. it with the and that just led like, all this oh, tension no. in the race. You're like, oh no, he's totally <laughs> <The door>. gonna die. <laughs> and then although they, then he just like opens it. <laughs> I know, I know. There was that one part. <laughs> the that, second yeah. time I saw it, I was like, he yeah. just opened it. What oh, in the just, world? They oh. just totally dropped that. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, true. yeah. Well, it's funny because that that conundrum of the dad, a dad who loves his family. Mm-hmm. Taking a risk like that with his profession, it reminded me of a of a documentary I saw about mountain climbers mm. on Netflix, um, and it was a story of this guy who had married the widow of his best friend, and his best friend was also a mountain climber and had died in an avalanche. Huh. And they were interviewing this guy um, and his wife because he was leading a team up. I think it was Maru. The documentary is called Maru. Uh, which is, I think, I think it's in the Himalayas. It's out out there in India and or Nepal, and um, one of the highest peaks in the world. And basically, you get to the top of the mountain, and there's this one cone of ice that goes up. I don't know another fifty meters or something. Hmm. Um, and basically, a Hopefully lot. It's of, much thicker than the sign you just made with your hand. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're like, well, oh, really? It's, it's funny because it's, <laughs> it's kind of just a pillar really? yeah. at the top, mm-hmm. but it's really, really hard to get to the top of that pillar. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people have gotten yeah. up to it, mm-hmm. right? And so these people are literally just trying to be on record as having stood on the top of the pillar. Yeah, and it's four guys, and the main leader who you know has married this widow. Her other husband died doing this. Yeah. On the same mountain? The, not on the same oh, mountain. Okay. It was this different mountain. But they interview him and they interview her. And he talked about just this very question. Because he yeah. says, you know, I take risks for a living. And 
obviously it's a big thing in his marriage that right, her right. other husband died doing it. So he said Talk about some he actually took their team, spoiler up for this documentary, he took their team to within like half an hour of reaching the top of the pillar. And he told them, we have to turn around because according to my calculations, it is now below 50% that we will survive. Huh. So he, he had made a whole complicated equation oh, wow. of their chances. And then in the documentary, they actually tried to do it again and they succeed, I think. But Because um, they were too late in the day. But they were just Typically, too late it's just in the, the time day. Of day. They were thing. just a little yeah. too late in the day and he turned them around. Wow. And they show it. It's a backbreaking mm. yeah. decision because, like, some of them are already sick and like, yeah. wow. have frostbite and stuff. But I thought about that because a terrible for me, idea. You know, <laughs> for me, I look at something like that and I go, "He's insane, right? Like, yeah. he's trying to yeah. get to the top of my a idea rock. of mountain climbing is knickers <laughs> like, and a staff in the Swiss Alps." Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but is it is is Ken Miles sort of the same way? Like he's yeah. he's a legend, right? But he's just trying to hurdle his body well as fast as possible. There were two things stretch, that you know? two things that I that I thought were very just um I don't know. See that to me it showed um insight in the writing of this film mm-hmm. were two 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 of them. One, the first is the power of poetic words to elevate anything. Mm. Yeah. The and the recurring I said it made it said it as a joke earlier, seven thousand RPM. <laughs> you know, that that yeah. moment, the little yeah. soliloquy. Yeah. Um that sets the tone for this kind of that moment of riding in the car at that speed mm-hmm. uh, becoming a synonym for catharsis yeah. and um freedom or uh, kind of going to the next next plane yeah. of yeah. consciousness and miles saying like no you see everything everything opens up and it's, yeah. you see all these things and little, yeah. little crack it's like you become like <laughs> It's like that line from I don't enlightenment. It. No, it's like I, I haven't yet achieved universal oneness. Like you have it now. Um, you know, <laughs> Ace Ventura, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, which I actually I don't, have I don't heard endorse, though, like but, from from I've read that that's actually a a, a real phenomenon. That I'm happens. sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure it yeah. is that like time slows yeah. down. They wrote it very poetically. But no, I think it's a well, real, yeah, it was beautiful. Real, Real phenomenon. No, I know. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Well, and the but same thing that, is in the scene where Christian Bale talks about the perfect, the lap. perfect lap. Yeah, the, the perfect, perfect lap. lap. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's an achievement of the, it becomes the beyond, right? Kind yeah. of the the other the next thing. And that was was very powerful. And and the second thing was the way that if you remember Shelby is shown, like he goes to the doctor and he's stressed out. He has a heart condition. He's taking these pills. Yeah. And he gets in his car and he like revs the engine and he has this like. Oh, Kind of like, yeah. and, and they show that really a car hurtling you down the road through the through the earth at that speed is a really like a drug. Huh? Yeah. The, the engine, need for speed. Well, yeah, that engine is like that response that Shelby had to the engine roaring mm-hmm. was oh, like sure a drug. An was like thing. a drug response. Yeah, and right. that's essentially what they are. They're addicted to that. Oh, I'm right. sure. Yeah, which is if you imagine it with like lab rats, you'd be like, hmm. If we put these things on the thing and spin them around, like it, you know, if you put them on like some sort of gyroscope thing and like swirl them around, yeah, and they have this kind of kinetic 
addiction. But it, it's but, why but, does why does anyone do anything like that? Why do people climb mountains? Why do people? You know, I don't think climb mountains is the same. I it's no, no I, it, it I, absolutely I, is the same. You see, it's, I, I it's think the adrenaline. It's, it's not yeah. the well, same. Well, there is an feeling, adrenaline, yeah. But it, it's yeah. it is that that high of of. I mean, in mountain climbing, literal high. Well, yeah, yeah. But it is that feeling of of putting yourself in that place of little control. I think it is danger. a combination of adrenaline uh, reaction. I think of the guy that free soloed, uh, uh-huh. what was it, Yosemite? Or, it's uh, a combination of the risk and yeah. the danger and right. that that it, that nervous reaction but and the the kind of pride of, of being the only one in the world, you know, that, that kind yeah. of best in the world. Yeah. To me, it's a combination of those two things. But I think you could expand it. I think that in a way, you know, revving the engine and feeling that as a kind of relaxing catharsis, like this is home, someone who uh, roasts coffee, yeah, right? How many coffee roasters do you know who drink too much coffee, right? <laughs> a lot of them drink too much coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the person who uh, plays their instrument, the person who, and, and you know, we think differently about different professions or pursuits because of the danger involved, right. because of the ego involved. But like the thrill of performing in front of a crowd and having people applaud you, you know, if it's 500 people, nobody thinks badly about that. But if right. it's uh, 50,000 people yeah. applauding you, that's a rush. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and here's rush. the thing, and this is why I think um, Ken Miles was different. Is because not only did he love that the feeling of racing, but he also had a deep love for the science and the mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. And you can see that played out through the entire movie and mm-hmm. even throughout, you know, and I don't I don't know how much this is the movie and how much is this is historically accurate, but when, you know, when the, the climax of the film happens and he finds out he loses the race, you know, he's like, Well, back to work. Next yeah. year, we're going to make also, the car that's the fastest, you know. But I also, next year, we're not racing. You know, there there were so many moments where he was let down mm-hmm. by a race or something like that. And but he was furious. It, and yeah, but he but also- But to me, that's his arc. That is really the, the catharsis of his arc as a character. Right. Because I think they portray that as not his natural response. Mm-hmm. The but, calmness. Yeah, he chose yeah. by the end. He knew he won. Yeah. So the knowledge that he was the best was, was more important right. than the accolade. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is, I guess, because I'm not trying to denigrate, you know, people with engines that rev loud or yeah. things like that. You know, that that's looking at it too narrowly. I'm asking, is that kind of, and you, yeah, you can look at it as a performer being before a crowd, having th- any rush like that. Um, is that a good thing? Is it a good thing to live for that Right, I think I because yeah. like I've performed a lot, and I think that you no, know, it is fun. It is fun to perform. It's fun to to hear you know mm-hmm. play in front of a crowd. It's fun to do all those things. But I'm also aware that there's a, it's not an end in itself, and it's not without its risks. Yeah, yeah. And most of the time, the people that really, I mean, you know, you can find a laundry list of the people that it destroys. Yeah. yeah. And so the question is, and, and right, can Miles love? killed him and it left his wife a widow and his you know so there is that danger in it which and obviously you know, soldiers risk their life people all kinds of people risk their life for a greater good or for a higher call or whatever right um but is it on its own 
a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, I think it's a deep question, but one thing I think you could say with some certainty is that it's one, it's a positive good to do something for love of that thing. That's a disinterested love of that thing. And that mm-hmm. great things come from a disinterested love of a craft. Mm-hmm. And, and the best people who do work in any field have that. Right. At the same time, you have to be able to walk away yeah. from the craft. Have the wisdom to be able to, to know To have the wisdom is. to know when that happens. And I think you see this actually in the lives of people who retire. Yeah. They leave behind a profession, like legendary people. And people who don't. And it yeah, ruins their life. Yeah, and people who don't. And ruins yeah. their life. And at some point, every human being, because we all die, has to, and we get old, we all have to come to that point where we say, yeah, I'm done. Um, and, and, and not that you go sit on a beach somewhere and are lazy, but you, you just say it's another person's turn right. or I, I don't know, there's different mm-hmm. versions of it, Yeah, but that's <laughs> to bring it back to George Lucas. <laughs> uh, comes a you moment know, when you need he, to sell out for yeah. your two billion. Well, you know, when, I mean, he was so, his mindset was so towards innovation that, you know, he can't have a family life, you know, mm, he, right divorced his first wife and you know he he just doesn't have a family life because Mm -hmm. that's all he can do you know and so that's kind of the imbalance right that's where i get to sort of the human behavioral aspect of how much i mean now you could say somebody like steve jobs going back to him yeah even even him had he actually had a pretty functioning family although he was neurotic and yeah you know Mm -hmm. now i think Lorraine Powell was his second wife, I think. Yeah. But so, but he kind of found, he found a kind of a balance yeah. later in his life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when he found but, Buddha? <laughs> I don't know that he was actually a Buddhist. Oh, really? Really. Oh, okay. He was kind of into Zen type, okay, yeah. like Eastern-y kind they of all, I don't know that, I don't know if he was are. really a Buddhist, but, but anyway, the, the all that. The one thing that I will always give Steve Jobs is that he was anti-porn on his devices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he oh, was. Oh, really? And yeah. that was like, yeah, oh. like he, he fought mm-hmm. like tooth and nail wow yeah some to, of the first like parental his, control stuff was to keep his devices apple, yeah. free huh. of porn which eventually you know when he died apple <laughs> changed that <laughs> yeah bye bye yeah. right. while he I was alive he did that's interesting so. yeah. yeah they wouldn't let it in the app store well um, um so i guess that yeah. but that question of of behaviorally for a human yeah if you think of the goods of the human of human existence of family of ch- your children of I guess I mean the the iconic image of it is like the agrarian existence, mm-hmm. you know, of you know Adam and Eve and yeah, your, you know, God and family. Yeah, those and- those things and creating a good civilization. It's kind of like at a point things become. It's about being. I mean, it's sort of like riding Bronx or something. Or I mean, it really, it's kind of the same idea. It's like riding something. Can you control something bigger than you? Yeah. Right. You know, can you can you tame the Minotaur? Can you ride the bull? Can you drive Which, the car that fast? I don't think though that that is. I think that's a positive human drive. I think that God put us on the earth to gamble in a sense, not. And maybe gambling is the wrong word for it. I know what you mean. But though, to yeah. but to try something to yeah. to say here's a certain here's a playing field 
do something. And certainly mm-hmm. in the parable of the talents, Christ's big faulting of the man with the one talent. He did nothing. He did nothing. That yeah. He didn't risk mm-hmm. anything. All mm-hmm. the other people in those stories risked something. Mm-hmm. And we all are supposed to kind of throw the dice a little bit right. with our lives. Um, not to the detriment of others, but but I think even the idea of committing to a family or yeah. having kids or buying a home or settling down somewhere or choosing the one company you're going to give your life to, yeah. sometimes the most stable things are the most risky things. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you're really giving your whole life to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're all in, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's true. I think that's, yeah. I think that's true. So, you know, it in a way it's... The people who I think we make a mistake. We think that the people who are the most erratic or go off on the voyage or the cruise or live in Egypt for a year or whatever, we think that they're living it up. Yeah. But in reality, they're actually risking a lot less, right? Than yeah. the people who work all their lives. They're risking think. less of themselves, right? Right. That's exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's the irony of it. Hmm. Well, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. I guess. Uh, Did we give our morals of the story? Give moral of the story? We didn't give moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs> the Luke? whole film. We've all kind of given. I know. <laughs> you, you go first this time. What's your moral of the story? What, um, moral of the story? Can I just copy what Ben said? <laughs> <laughs> copy paste. Yeah. Copy paste. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, the 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 thing that really stood out is dedication. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think back even when. I think it was the first or the, uh, no, the first time. And they didn't actually say this really great, but they actually went to the race one time, lost, and then went back. Mm-hmm. And that is when Ken Miles actually raced. Right, right. And there was that moment where he told him, you're not going to drive. You know, obviously he was very disappointed, but he came back and he kept working on the car. Mm-hmm. And he was literally working on the car as he was listening to them over the radio lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that that was a really powerful scene. And that was when his, I think his wife came and they, you know, they had the picnic. Mm-hmm. But that dedication and that um, perseverance, mm-hmm. you know, even yep. though pretty much everything had been taken from him and yeah, he was thrown to the wayside. Yeah. You know, that, that perseverance and that dedication to the thing that he loved to do mm-hmm. and that craft was, mm-hmm. you know, very... A, a very powerful scene. So, mm. yeah, that was one of the big things that stood out to me. Yeah, Alex, what's your moral of the story? Um, I think my moral of the story. I, I did find his. Um, uh, there's one of my favorite. Um, talking about poetry again, one of my favorite lines in a poem is from uh, T. S. Eliot's Four Quartets, um, and it, it. There's a couple lines preceding it, but the end line is that humility is endless. Hmm. And that idea that Miles, this is sort of where it's, although it's sad and tragic when he dies, that you feel like he's kind of reached his universal oneness, <laughs> <laughs> is the fact that he was able to find the humility to let the race go. Yeah. Um, even though that drive to win was, you know, what took him there that the race wasn't everything. And that's why I think they had his wife say, like, good for you, like, when they when she hears he's slowing down, you know, on the mm-hmm. radio. Um, that, 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 that at the end of it, 
the fire and the the you know angriness the the anger and the ire that that dominated him as a person um and that that's why that wrench mm-hmm. that that Shelby has through the film that wrench is emblematic of the that anger his character of yeah. the whole story is the, the wrench at the beginning that he throws at, at Shelby yeah. and the fact that when he finds humility is when he is really all his demons are, are gone yeah because he embraces humility um, even though he has the right to win yeah you know he he won well, even the right he to be did angry. win he and he could be yeah. angry and he could yeah. do all these other things but the fact that he um, found that humility, I think, is I don't know. That to me was the most poignant, yeah, idea yeah. in the yeah. film. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I agree with everything y'all said, and and even what you're talking about, Alex. Um, the moment that I thought was very poignant in the movie was when Christian Bale realizes no one is behind him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he looks back. That was a great scene that kind yeah. of showed that he had won. Yeah, he had done the perfect lap like he wanted, but. I'll take it on a little different tack because I think one something that makes this movie a really great movie is that there's a lot of levels to it. There's yeah. a lot of things you can take away. And you can take away what you just said. A lot of different gears. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I think you can also take away another lesson, which is kind of the lesson Matt Damon's character embodies, which is not backing down when you're asked to compromise. Uh-huh. Because in a yeah. sense... Two things happen when Ken Miles, quote, loses. Mm-hmm. Right. One is he suffered a wrong and he overcomes mm-hmm. the anger he feels. But there's that moment when uh, Shelby says, I should have never talked to you. Yeah. And all through the movie, Shelby is talking to Miles, like saying, well, the bosses are telling me to do this and the bosses are telling me to do that. Mm-hmm. And as the movie progresses, he keeps pushing back more and more. But at the pivotal moment, he still kind of gives in a little bit to the pressure from above. And whether or not that's historically accurate in the story of the film, Mm -hmm. I think there's an implied lesson that the artist who knows that they know, Mm -hmm. right? Not Not necessarily who's deceived by delusions of grandeur, but who knows that that they know that they know that they're right. Yeah. And that the right thing to do is X and other people do not know. Uh don't back down. Yeah. You know, like hold on to the truth of what is right. And you I know, won't back down. <laughs> <laughs> because like we were saying earlier in in our last podcast, you know, um Captain America, you know, I know what my principles are. Yeah. You know, there and there's and there can be a place of ego to that when it's my way or the highway, and that can yeah. be a, a perversion of it. But there's also thinking about the other person, right? Because what Shelby yeah. was doing was trying to defend Ken. It wasn't right. himself right. that he was defending. He was kind of putting it's himself funny, in the middle. When you look at the results of of Lamont, uh, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I did after the film, I wanted to see how it um how it Runs so they ran. You no, know, so they called McLaren the winner, the year that Miles raced. Yeah, the '66. So Shelby American was the winner. They ran. They won one more year, and that was it. Hmm. They won the next year. They won the next year, 
And the funny thing is North American racing team won the year previous in a Ferrari. Oh, that's funny. And so, but then those two years of Shelby, the GT40, which when, I mean, which are the cars that Miles would have been involved yeah. with. Yeah. And then I don't know if Shelby died or what happened. I haven't checked into that, but. But they've never. Then it literally, it went to like England for two years. Wow. Now, even though the English year, the English team was also driving a Ford GT40 for two more years. Wow. So through 69, the GT40 wow. won. Wow. wow. And then Porsche and yeah. a bunch of other companies picked it up. And, wow. And it, I don't think an American Cars won but like a couple times. Hmm. In all the years since then, man, wow. it, which does speak as this is not really part of the story, but the the kind of miraculous nature of just an individual, yeah, or two men, right, or a team. You know, like when a team comes together, mm-hmm. that is just you can't replicate it. Yeah, yeah, and that's wow. where Shelby's thing of like you can't buy a win. You yeah, know, you can try. You know, you can, yeah. but you and that's where Miles and Shelby and all the the characters yeah in it are something magical in that moment yeah. and you can't yeah their brotherhood yeah yeah. In the yeah yeah man that's i i didn't know that that's actually mm. pretty amazing it is, that yeah. really yeah. kind of puts a, a mm-hmm. nice punctuation in that story that mm-hmm. it really hasn't happened since then yeah yeah that's yeah. kind of amazing yeah man well our sponsor today is audible.com and mm-hmm. uh luke you know the audibletrial.com audibletrial.com forward slash moral of the story check it out you can Mm -hmm. get a free audio book it will help support the show and you get something free out of it so make sure to check that out in the link Mm -hmm. description below it will yes Um, please share the show uh, this episode or any others Uh, we have a a growing backlog of episodes about your favorite movies you've yeah. seen or not seen. Um, you should watch the movie before you listen to the episode. We recommend watching the films before. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> That's about off. it. <laughs> the moral of the story with Alex Wolliver, Luke Taylor, and Benjamin Wolliver. Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. Copyright 2020 Moral of the Story Media.